The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Good morning. We are just coming out of a Mercury retrograde, and it is all systems go. Planets are moving forward, and it's time to really make a choice. Are you living a life, or are you in your full aliveness? If you sat back and contemplated, in this moment, are you dying a little bit each day? Are you stepping into more life and aliveness in each second? When did you die? My guest today is Reverend Temple Hayes, and she has written a wonderful book entitled, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. Temple knew that the purpose of her life was not to continue to die a little, that her purpose was to learn with her new sacred creation story how she could truly live. There were moments of fun that were to be experienced. There were moments that were intended to break her heart so that her heart would open to the new temple and to a deeper inner understanding. And once she began to realize and really see how necessary all of the kind and unkind events that had happened in her life were, she could never go back to seeing her life and being with it in the same way. She started seeing moments in her life as necessary to continue and shape a sacred story. She started following the dots. She started coloring in her own life. She started playing as a child. And through this new practice, she made the most significant discovery that life had never been against her, but had always been for her. And this is the message that she wants you to really see and feel right now. And there could not be a more appropriate time to do so. With everything moving forward, with a time in our history where it is more about us stepping into who we really are in terms of our divinity and embracing our humanity. This soul sister truly understands that. She was born in a rural southern church-going community. She knew from the beginning that she was different from those around her. Her life was filled with strife, violence in the home, a lack of love and compassion, blatant neglect. Her father killed her adored cat, later ran over her dog with his truck and when she was helping her beloved dog her grandfather with reckless abandon ran over her with his car car finally her mother was forced into shock treatments for not conforming to local moral judgments what terrible message did that convey to her preteen daughter but despite all of these things and some echoes in life that continued her down this path temple hayes today is one of the most respected and authentically inspiring leaders in the spiritual enrichment and sought-after speaker. She's a unity minister in St. Petersburg, Florida, with a global following and an extremely popular radio show. Temple knows firsthand what it is to die to your true self and your dreams, and also 
how to step back into your true aliveness. She is the author of When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. Temple, welcome to 1111 Talk Radio. I'm honored to have you here. We have so much that we are, have in common and we have so much that we love to commune and converse about uh, because I think when we got to know each other, we found that we were truly soul sisters at heart. So it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Well, and it's a, a mutual beneficial club, that's for sure. And I feel the, the honoring is so much. I, I love your work. I'm, I'm a fan. Um, I'll wear a T-shirt anytime. I, I love all the things that, that you do and the consciousness that you bring. And believe me, the privilege is mine to be on your show today. Well, I think what's so beautiful and, and what I celebrate about the human story is the spirit within it. It amazes me every single time I hear someone's story and how they triumph over that and how strong the human spirit is and how beautifully that story burns away those pieces of us that are not intended to be our truth so that we really can step into something so much greater than what we really even know we are. Talk a little bit about what it meant to forge a new life from ashes um, after living a day-by-day death. I'd like to start on that high note to really understand that first there's such a possibility before we go into the dying. Uh, absolutely. I think for me, um, Simran, it's the awareness. First of all, it's the overview that we're not born one time. It's not a one-time event. Everybody give out cigars and balloons, and then we die and everybody bring doves and, you know, and say, oh, we're exiting off the planet. Uh, being born and dying are natural things and innate things that happen to us throughout the course of the year. We're either being born to more um, energy, more presence, more vibration, like that of watching nature. It's so interesting that we are out of nature. We're born out of the earth. We return to it. But somehow that's a deep missing, both in scholars and uh, philosophers of of that precious romance that we call life. That I'm I'm born. I'm doing things that excite me and invigorate me, or I'm doing things on autopilot. I'm just kind of dying. And of course, for our purpose today, we're talking energy. But what catapulted me to a new awareness is I had a stack of things, many of them you read, of events that I went, how could this happen? How could this happen? And I was talking to spirit or creator from, you know, five years old. I had a calling. Um, and I would go, why, why is this happening? Why would this happen to these people in my family and to me and those kind of things? And so I developed kind of what a lot of people do. God loves me today. God didn't love me tomorrow. <laughs> you know, those kind mm-hmm. of things. And what I came to realize is uh, a, a true epiphany I had is I wrote down every event that I, when I thought of it, I had an energy of dying or uh, I had an energy of less than. It would be like, oh, you know, I could have been spared that. So I wrote out on separate little pieces of paper in a very organized way chronologically these things and how I remembered them. And then I took a time out and I went back over those very same stories 
and I realized how I wouldn't give any of them away. I realized how they had developed me and birthed me. So the quick of it is that I came to realize that there's the birth story, and you and I talk to people all the time that live in the world of their birth story. Well, you know, I have uh, arthritis because my mother had it. Uh, I have allergies. My dad had those. Um, you know, there are addictions in my family, so it's understandable. You know, that what we're born from, that, that DNA, and those are a lot of people that their DNA, they're doing and never asking. They're never asking, well, why does this have to be true for me? You know, that kind of thing. So there's the birth story of an individual that often puts a box around what is possible for them because they go by where they came from as far as their lineage or their heritage. To me, the excitement is in the creation story. And that's where the rich stuff is. That's why we can walk through these trials and tribulations and challenges in our lives and we can go, wow, they have created me. They've drawn out of me something I probably wouldn't have done otherwise. They have created such a strength and a vitality within me to overcome them that, wow, as I look back now, oh, my gosh, my, how I have expanded my consciousness or my prayer beliefs or whatever that may be. So I want to back up a little bit. About it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to back up a little bit because you said something that I think will be very important to listeners, and it, it was about making your list and going over your stories. And so often when we have stories, the tendency is to wallow in them, to to either dive so fully in them that you get sucked back into them or to completely negate them and pretend like they didn't happen, but let them subconsciously and unconsciously rule your life. What you did seemed to be a very conscious act, and it also was above being in the story or wallowing in the story. This was really almost as if you were witnessing and saying, what what can I glean from these things that have taken place? There was more of a neutrality, so to speak, almost, in your approach from the way you spoke it. Yes, absolutely. It was like a a great uh, retrieval, if you will, of my energetic being. It was, you know, it's like um, I liken to in the book the song, uh, you put your whole self in. You know, it's, it's it's about that essence of putting your whole self in the laws of life are working, you know, and often people will say to me, um, wow, you know, my life isn't working, and, 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 and I do have compassion, yet what I also know is what they're saying is they haven't learned to work with life because the laws are working. You know, electricity doesn't choose its favorite lamp. <laughs> you know, electricity doesn't go, well, you know, I'm not really attracted to that lamp, so that lamp is not turning on. It turns it all on uh, without any kind of personal choice about it, and that's the way the law is working. So for me, it came from the place of, You're either all in or you're not, and you trust. I mean, more people spend more time thinking of their list of Santa Claus than they do asking the questions Uh. in their lives that are necessary uh, to catapult them to really who they are. And that is 
part of what I realized is these things were happening to me not because of what I'm not, but because of who I am. Uh, the story within me was longing to be born each of those moments of my overcomingness. Um, I think that's a good word in the South. I don't know if that's grammatically correct anywhere else. But anyway, my overcomingness is that um, it was drawing more of me out, not to hide me in. You raised another very powerful point. Uh, oftentimes we don't realize that we haven't um, put our own whole self in, much less shaken it all about. So it's about time to realize, am I, am I living a half-hearted life? Have I just stuck a toe into my life? And am I waiting for someone else to do it all for me? Or am I really willing to dive into life cannonball style? And your first chapter is entitled Time to Wake Up. And it, it really is about putting your whole self into your life. When we go wholehearted into our lives, what's the distinct change that occurs uh, between that and perhaps just sticking one leg in uh, and one arm in? It's kind of the difference of as we travel through life. Um, as, a, as a metaphor, I, I like to refer to the automobile you know, often, um, and that when we when we look at the the gears on an automatic car, um, some people are literally just parked. You know, they're parked and and waiting um, for whatever in the wait mode. Um, there are other people that are driving their car in the reverse uh, position, which is always living in the past. I mean, there are people that won't pursue being in love again because of something that happened 20 years ago. Or uh, I meet a lot of people because of the activism work I do with animals. They go, gosh, you know, I loved having that dog. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love my little Skippy dog. You know, great, great energy for my life. But, you know, I lost Skippy 14 years ago, and I can't go through that again. What they don't understand is, they are holding themselves back. You know, we're not we're not sparing our heart from hurting by not still jumping in. You know, because that's part of the energy. When we look in our society today, and um, we think that you know, wow, cancer is a big word in our society. But for every one person that dies of cancer, four people die of heart issues. Um, so that's another element of it in the metaphysical practice of how we impact our heart from it not being open. Um, the other is people that, you know, are in neutral position. They kind of just are kind of being all things or they're the chameleon. They take on the colors of the people that they're around. And, of course, then there's the putting your whole self in, which is you are in drive. You are in drive, and you are, it's a declaration, I think, more than anything, uh, Simran. It's a declaring, I am here to put my whole self into my life. And I think it's important, or it has been for me on my own path, to have a way that it's not just a theory, but it becomes a practice. And so what I developed in my life is to look at the difference between being good or being amazing. I've always had a good life. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Even in the best and the worst of times, I've had a good life because I believe in the creative spirit and the energy that's available. 
But where I really started shifting is looking at relationships, occupation, connection and friends. When I went to look at, well, it's good, but it's not amazing. And I want amazing. If I'm putting my whole self in, (laughs) I want it to be amazing. And you and I have had many conversations about the from good to amazing. (laughs) (laughs) My guest today is Reverend Temple Hayes. She's a renegade, resurrected a thousand times. Temple Hayes is a spiritual trailblazer for our time. Now the spiritual leader of Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, she is revered internationally and a key member of the Leadership Council of the Association of Global New Thought. Her book, When Did You Die?, is anchored in her work to fast-forward people into impassioned and energized living. In addition to When Did You Die?, she has also authored How to Speak Unity and the Right to Be You. Her popular radio show, The Intentional Spirit, reaches millions around the world. Temple is the founder of Life Rights, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the right of all to live the life of their intention in freedom and peace, and the Sophie Project, a nonprofit organization that rescues and rehabilitates dogs and cats globally. You can find out more at templehaze.com. In addition, you will see her in the October issue. Of, uh, excuse me, in the September issue of 1111 Magazine. She's in that current issue that is up. If you'd like to visit that, you can go directly to her website from there as well. From the book, When Did You Die? The Many Layers of Dying a Bit Every Day. Many people do not realize that there are many layers of being asleep and dying while we are living. We are so caught up in the motions of living, eating, working, and making and keeping appointments that we don't realize that we died to our potential a long time ago. We have become robotic. How do you know whether you've been dying a bit every day? One key way is to notice if you are feeling disconnected or drained rather than energized or impassioned about your life. I invite you to explore Temple Hayes' website, templehayes.com, and to pick up your copy of When Did You Die? We will be right back with Temple Hayes. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. 
Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. I invite you to explore my own website, imsimran.com. You will find different mentoring programs along with my various books and CDs right on the site. In addition, you can go to YouTube and catch many of my videos or uh, go to Facebook and Twitter and feel free to follow me there. I share a little bit of wisdom each and every day. How do we come from an open heart? Do you remember being a little kid and dancing to that song, The Hokey Pokey, putting different parts of yourself into it and then being asked to put your whole self in? Remember how good it felt to shake your body and turn it all around? You were present, alive, and awake. Well, isn't that what life is all about? My guest today is Reverend Temple Hayes, and she has written a book entitled, When Did You Die? From disconnected and drained to energized and impassioned is what we are here to do as individuals and here to be, to go from fear to feeling to freedom. And that's what we're going to be talking about next. You can find out more about Temple at templehays.com. Temple fear is probably the thing that constricts most. And we talked a little bit about stepping into that aliveness and you you kind of touched on how people hold themselves back. And it is that self-oppression that really is taking place. It looks like people outside of us. It looks like experiences. It looks like all the things that take place are, you know, binding us or imprisoning us or holding us back. But it's actually what we're doing with those things that is the oppression. And sometimes what really drives that oppression tends to be fear. So talk a little bit about fear and and moving into that place of feeling so to then connect to freedom. I, I liken it to the fact of um, is the difference between if you have a guest coming over and you do surface cleaning, so you kind of do spot cleaning, you hide a lot of stuff, and you kind of put it in the cabinets and everything until they're, <laughs> <until> they're gone, <laughs> versus you have a professional cleaning company that comes in, really spruces things up, you do some letting go and releasing, and that's kind of the difference. And, and often, um, many people live by sound bites. Um, we live by bumper sticker truths, like, you know, what was made famous uh, uh, for a long time was fill the fear and do it anyway. And that's all real nice because there was some kind of operative energy that happened, but the fear didn't go away. And so what I talk about in the book is, is really delving into it um, and really making a greater discovery and uh, it reminds me of doing a, a home blessing, a shamanic home blessing for this family and going into the little, um, bedroom of this little girl. And she said to me, she said, um, I th- she was like eight at the time, and she said, these are my stones and I have them by my bed because I have nightmares and they're very scary. Well, you know, had that been from the generation that taught me or how most people respond is, oh, you're a big girl now. Oh, why would you be afraid? You're safe. Oh, don't worry about that. We just talk right on top of it and keep going, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is just a repetitive pattern because we fix 
external people outside of ourselves because what we're really saying is I don't want to look at my own stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if I can stop you from talking, I'm going to be okay and keep my stuff in my surfing clean, surface cleaning reality. And mm. so I was aware of what she said and I just kind of took it all in and I said, well, you know, tell me more about that. And as the conversation went uh, further, she told me that she'd love to draw. And I said, Nancy, have you ever thought about in the night you see these things so that you'll draw them the next day? Mm. And her eyes got real big, and she went, no, I haven't. She's never been afraid since. Mm. Mm. It's that it's that she's had learned that language from somebody else. She's adapted from that space, or she could have brought it in into this incarnation. I mean, we certainly do that: fear of danger, fear of not being enough, or whatever, or fear of being too much. <laughs> and some well, of us have had to endure that. Spotlight is on. Ooh, scary. If we delve well, into it, though. Exactly, because what was so powerful was you you listened. And and that's such a rare piece in society these days. You, as a spiritual leader of your own uh, congregation and community, a very important piece for you is to listen. And and that oftentimes is what creates the greatest healing, uh, partially because sometimes they can receive back some of the guidance, but also, in essence, just the ability to express what is being held inside and having someone really acknowledge it and hear it can be the, the change or the, the turn on of that switch of the lamp that needs to take place. Talk a little bit about the importance of not only feeling your own experiences and feelings that need to be felt, but what we do for others when we allow ourselves to be the listener of what they have not uh, brought forward and, and not expressed. I guess if I were to say there's one credential that is crucial in one's life, more than the plaques and the trophies and the initials that go after someone's name, I would like mine to be Temple Hayes, comma, comfortable with herself. <laughs> mm. Mm. And, and when we really, again, uh, uh, think more of ourselves that it's more important than the Santa list of what kind of you know special gift we're going to get one time a year. And we start delving into the questions, which if we break that down, it's quest I on. When we ask the questions about our essence and our being, we come to discover, uh, first and foremost, that we were created brilliantly. And we don't need to be in the way of that. And if we're created brilliantly, and if we're created not as an accident or a mistake, and everything is spot on, we would not be created to have feelings if we weren't supposed to experience them. And it's not the feelings within themselves, whether it's crying or laughing or, or shouting or anger or whatever. It's the judgment of the feelings. It's the how we've been taught about the feelings and about, I'm getting 85 to 95% of the judgment about the feelings is because we've bought into that birth story 
our mother wasn't comfortable with anger or our dad uh, was a rageaholic or, you know, whatever the stories are, not to blame, but just to be aware. And when we become comfortable with ourselves, we realize they're just feelings. And if we have a moment of anger, which our body needs, you know, if somebody's pulling out in front of you and the, your, your body fight flight, obviously you're going to have those feelings. But if we become in that space, so as I become more and more comfortable with myself, then I'm able to give permission to others. Um, I, I, back when I was looking for a therapist, because I'm always about, again, you know, from good to amazing, and in that looking for a therapist, if I would see a therapist and I started crying and they started talking on top of me and started giving me Kleenex, they wouldn't be the one for me. Mm. So, you know, we we have that kind of modeling going on today with, with leaders and therapists and teachers that if you're comfortable with your feelings, you just hold the space. I mean, that's really our how we respond to and our responsibility is to hold the space for someone else and then have enough respect for them and not try to cheat them of, well, let me take that all away from you. But it's because we know that we wouldn't want anything to be taken away from us because it has developed us. So it's an entirely different kind of ebb and flow with another person of that art of listening. Because I'm comfortable with that. If someone's in my office and they're having a breakthrough and they're in their heart and their heart is opening and they're crying, I don't look for Kleenex. I'm like, let's get messy. <laughs> you know, and then if they go right back to their head, I go, no, 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 let's, this is a safe place. Stay with that. They're the ones having the breakthrough within themselves. And that's the part when someone is getting empowered individually versus creating some guru or hero outside of themselves. It's our sacred story. Exactly. And and it's so much about creating those new places of deeper living. And yes. so by doing so, you're facilitating people to live more deeply within themselves but they are also facilitating themselves in, in going into those deep places within. When we do that, we start to realize that we are very much connected, that, that there's a oneness that starts to develop between the two that are in that space. And it's not from the place of codependence, which so often infiltrates so many people's lives. It then becomes a place of independence and then interdependence between the two, simply, as you said, balancing and holding the space. Talk about how someone can move from where they are right now to just the next step of deeper living. What's something that they could just easily do in this moment to let themselves feel a deeper part of themselves? Well, I was um, I was speaking yesterday about the concept of living in amazing grace, um, and you you talk about this a lot, uh, Simon, in your in your books and in your writings. Is being aware of the signs that all uh, that are all around us. Um, we um, often feel we're living for amazing grace. There's a big difference between living in amazing grace that is all around us and living Mm. for it. In other words, people that are living for it are implying that 
um, they're still waiting for uh, themselves to feel worthy or they're still waiting for uh, another special thing to happen in their life so they feel then they can be in that joy and that, and that bliss. And what you teach and what I teach, it's about you're living in it right now. It's all around you. And wake up to that. Be attentive. Uh, expand your magnifying glass. Put on your reader glasses so you can see it. <laughs> mm. You know, so you can connect the dots of things all around you. And so to say some practical application would be at the end of one's, at the beginning of one's day to say, here I am, I'm living in amazing grace. I'm looking for the miracles today in my life. A practice for me would be that I have a blessing bowl. It's a bowl that belonged to a family member. And every morning I fill it with water. And as I'm filling it with water, I say a blessing of may my heart be open to see all the beauty and the grace that's around me today, the phone call, the friend, the what I got in the mail, the email, the whatever, and to see it and to really feel it. And then at the end of the day, to take notice of the things that occurred that were awesome and wonderful and those kind of things. Um, We tend to often get caught into the focus of what we don't want and we take it into our day and we call things that are wanting to move into our lives to show us a new way the interruptions when by far they're there to show us that we're not being true to who we are. I'm so glad that you shared that about the blessing bowl. We have spoken of that before and it's such a beautiful practice and so often people don't realize that it's it's simple, beautiful things that they can bring into their own lives that actually open the doorways and windows that we ourselves have closed shut. And it's 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 more so that we then become aware, we empower ourselves to notice what exists all around. Uh, I know that at an event you hosted for the New Thought Channel uh, back in July, one of the speakers, Mae McCarthy, uh, said that she believes that miracles are not once in a while things, but they're actually typicals. They go on all of the time. And I know that you live your experience very much that. You spoke that about grace right now. As you move into what you call the God personalized system, uh, which is the GPS, you talk about how to restore the many different parts of the soul and to move from disconnected and drained to a place of being energized and impassioned. Are there certain ways that you guide people to really move from that place of being disconnected to tapping into the messages that they get or to funneling up more energy through their their bodies and their lives? Absolutely. I mean, part of understanding the uh, disconnected aspect is as many people spend their lives even wondering if there's uh, really a creator that puts all this together or how am I in my own life deserving of any of that. And that's part of the fundamental teachings that a lot of people were duped by uh, in the very beginning of their early phases of uh, religion versus spirituality. But I, I liken it to the fact that if you and I walk over to the ocean today, and we then take a cup and we fill that cup with water and we walk away, 
um, we are very clear that the same essence in the ocean is the same essence that's in that cup. And that's who we are as our creative spirit, our creative energy, that power that holds all this together. We are a cup of that. We are of the same likeness of that for sure. And when we have uh, labels in our lives, um, for example, uh, the first time uh, many of us uh, fell in love, I would like to be part of the group that changes that, that we don't call it falling in love, because <laughs> I find that so fascinating, Simran, because that's one of our natural fears is we don't want to fall, but <laughs> we call it falling <laughs> yeah, exactly. in love. Exactly. Right? That's kind of an oxymoron thing, but anyway... When we talk about falling in love, we many of us went weeks and months and, and only slept so long and we were able to still go to work and or go to school or do the things because we were into that vibrancy. And, and yes, we must maintain our bodies and take care of them and those kind of things. But to me, that's that sizzling energy that when we stop labeling the kind of things in our lives, it's not our actions uh, going to the job or going to um, write the book or whatever. It's the energy that we put behind it that really drains us. That's so true. It's, it's what we're putting in place around there. My guest today is Temple Hayes, and she is the author of the book, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. From this book, Temple says, People will always treat you as you treat yourself. If you criticize yourself, others will criticize you. If you dismiss yourself, others will dismiss you. If you let yourself be last in line, others will let you be last in line. If you give up your seat, others will take your seat. If you say mean and rude things to yourself, then others will talk the same way to you. This is especially true of your children. They will grow up to be a miniature version of you, many yous in a minivan. Scary thought, right? As the real you unfolds, make a decision to no longer beat yourself up for any reason. There have been studies in which people have repeatedly yelled at trees, and guess what? The trees died. Japanese author and entrepreneur Masaru Emoto has shown that speaking to water angrily changes the way it appears under a microscope. Since humans are more than 90% water, wouldn't the same principle apply to us and our well-being? We will not be free until we free ourselves of the anger, the judgment, and the mean spirit we carry inside of our being. We take the energy of separation and turn it into being angry at our creator when all along we are the ones who have been disconnected. This is from the chapter in the book on Disconnected, and it is, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. You can find out more at templehaze.com. Temple is an embodiment of what she teaches. She had a much-needed wake-up call for an emotionally and spiritually drained generation. This book offers a profound eight-step program to propel you to a healthier and happier and more prosperous life. This inspiring, realistic guide is packed with motivational tools, shamanic surprises, daily practices, uplifting parables, and good old-fashioned Southern storytelling. Chapter by chapter, step by step, you'll learn how to connect with those subtle moments which leave you either disconnected and drained or energized and impassioned. Discover practical ways to actually go through the fear and not let it stop you. You'll learn how to restore your soul, re-energize you, and create an open heart. We'll be right back with Temple Hayes. 
Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Temple Hayes, author of When Did You Die, was born to question everything. Why must everything be just as her Southern Baptist family told her it should be? Enduring a heartbreaking childhood and a traumatized youth, she turned to a new understanding of spirit to pull her from the car wrecks of alcohol addiction and through a hundred different fears. Firm in her conviction that the Creator loves you as you are and wants to have a conversation, Temple forged a new life from the ashes of her day-to-day death, a life that embraces bringing others to this realization and opening their hearts. Temple's an accomplished and practicing shaman is a catalyst for turning lingering sorrows into brighter tomorrows and restoring all parts of the, of the soul. Her book, When Did You Die?, is anchored in her work to fast-forward people to impassioned and energized living. You can find out more about her books as well as uh, some different uh, spiritual cruise travel, her blogs, and other information at templehays.com. That's T-E-M-P-L-E. H-A-Y-E-S. What an appropriate name, Temple. It seems as if you were really given a name to not only recognize for yourself, but to be the quote-unquote conversation with the universe for other people to understand that we are the temple, that our, our, not only our bodies, but our, our spirit, our lives, uh, our movements, our actions, our words, Every bit of that is sacred. Talk a little bit about being born with that name and how it played a role in your own spiritual growth and development. Yes. Um, well, the name Temple um, was gifted to me from my grandfather. It was actually his middle name. 
And that absolutely is, and I believe everybody on the planet today has chosen a certain name uh, for a certain reality or practicality in their lives. And for me, you're exactly right. I'm always growing into that name, either as temple, as sanctioned sanctuary, connected to a universe, creator, those kind of things, that part of it. And, and that inner connection. And the other part was years of, of, of finally grasping, uh, sometimes willingly, sometimes forced upon me, the body temple of taking care of that physical essence that my body is a gift from the creator and what I do with my, my body, my gift, is my, is my gift back. And um, I just celebrated uh, three days ago uh, my 29th, what I call my real birthday, because I have been sober 29 years. And I had a, a strong background of, uh, you know, practicing how much I could drink and how well I could mm. do with that. It took me a while <laughs> to kind of come to that realization that it, I was as good at it as I was ever going to get. <laughs> but that being said... Um, I wouldn't trade that for anything because I, I, I share it. Uh, I'm not anonymous. I feel like I've developed too many stories to keep them a secret. But that's been part of my walk in life, and I urge people now to meditate rather than medicate. Uh, this is a time for everyone to be awake and to bring their awareness and their skill sets and their practical teachings to the planet today because we're, we're ready. We're on this uh, real surging point of, of being change agents, and we've all chosen to be here right now. So That's one thing that I celebrate so much about you is that you have this um, willingness and this authenticity and this realness that shares your story, that shares even the darkest, deepest parts of it. And you walk in the world as someone that is a leader, a quote-unquote people of distinction, which is why you got the award in Washington, D.C. just a week or so ago, um, alongside other really amazing people. But it shows that it is those ordinary moments, those really rugged, raw, uh, putrefying moments of our life where we are in the muck and the mire, that we find our gold. But it is in sharing that and then modeling the example of what we have the capability of becoming and surmounting and being real enough to share it with others so that they too understand that we all have that same goal. And so to be recognized as a person of distinction in Washington and at the same level hold in balance this is what I had to go through to get there to me is such a rich example for people because it provides something bigger than hope it provides a roadmap of I can get from here to there in my own way with my own style it's going to look how I am supposed to look but it's possible because it's part of who I am talk a little bit about how you see all of the stories and the experiences that you were your past and also how you see and celebrate what takes place now because of that past. Uh, it's been life-altering for me. And um, when I first um, woke up to sobriety at, at 29 years old, I was just very, very clear that um, I started talking about it right away. 
I was on a circuit for an international uh, speaking motivational speaking tour and there were you know occasionally people in the audience that would write you know the critique notes and they would complain you know uh, felt like I was in an AA meeting uh, when all I simply did was just mention that you know stress is when you continue to do something the same way and you expect some kind of different results and then I would say by the way speaking of which you know I, I drank so much then I could still drink water and still kind of feel it and laugh and move on I knew they were getting upset because it was a core thing it was an issue within them but I found it just to be so freeing there's a Edgar Casey um, once said, the more you share your sacred story, uh, the more of a greater healing you have and you multiply it by the number of people you share it with. And so that's always been uh, so powerful for me is because our life experiences are, are like that of a parable. And um, they give people, you know, so uh, much hope and inspiration. And I, I say that... Um, Often in front of audiences, I did a workshop yesterday, and it's like, here's where I came from, and here's where I am. And when we understand that our mind knows what our mind knows, and usually we we produce uh, an external life according to what the mind knows, the real living in the grace is when you're coming from the evolution of your heart, because, see, the heart is longing for still things to be realized in our life as a soul, but it doesn't know what it's going to look like. And that's so exciting to me, you know, is to stand in a place of, well, this is what I know. Okay, this is, this is pretty amazing, but what does my heart want to bring forward in my life that I have no idea what that will look like? And that becomes the practice of learning to get out of the box, ask more questions, and be open to all the signs that are around us. You have a section in your book that is around the importance of inner approval. And you talk about some of the qualities that are needed to live from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Can you share some of those, those qualities of inner approval? Uh, absolutely. Um, there is the... Um, the part of of having that deep relationship with yourself uh, that's one of the greatest qualities that we that we all need is that we are our own best friend um, when we are in that element of trust and we and I call it a muscle as you know uh, because many people have never collapsed into or emerged into that idea of trust and it it requires a muscle. I mean, none of us go into full weight training um, and do it the first day and are able to lift at maximum weight. We have to develop it, and that trust muscle must be developed. But when we do trust ourselves, see, until then we project, I can't trust those kind of people. Well, no, I can't trust that guy. Well, no, I can't trust that, you know, that healer. We're projecting all of that. And when we are projecting, we're not connecting. We're more into perfecting, which limits us from keeping our heart open and welcoming the spaces, knowing that whatever it is, we will know exactly how to be and when to be at that moment. That's beautiful. I, I love that. And some of the other points that you have here are 
have to do with about the belief that others' opinions are not that important, that you, you have your opinion of your own self, or to celebrate the delays rather than being angry and denying them, to embrace uh, the, the presence and the spirituality of your enemies just as much as you do yourself. So there's some really valuable points in this section, and it leads into how this mystery perfected by design is, that how, how life is continually unfolding specifically to allow ourselves to move into an amazing destiny. What's a key piece in really letting go of the old life so that someone can step into their new life? I think the biggest thing is the decision to do so. It's a divine uh, declaration. I have uh, a photograph to prove this. I and it's an ongoing, you know what I mean? We're always uh, growing more like that of the bamboo tree and, or the, and in, in nature. And there was a time um, two or three years ago when I just declared in my office, okay, universe, I'm more ready now than I was last week <laughs> or the year before. I am ready, and I'm, I'm ready to come totally out of hiding. I'm ready to use my voice in whatever way I can to serve the planet. Are you with me? Okay, and you know you've been to my home. I walked across the street, and I walked down uh, the boardwalk onto the beach, and there was a guy, a huge guy, maybe 6'4", and he had a burgundy T-shirt on and the word temple across the front. <laughs> and, oh, my goodness. You know, that shirt came from Temple University. But that man, I really felt for him because I went, oh, oh, my goodness, can I get my photo made with you? Oh, my goodness, it doesn't make sense to you, but would you mind? <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. My guest today has been Temple Hayes, and she is the author of When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. You can find out more about her at templehaze.com. I want to share with you a beautiful writing that she has in the book around the four directions. So if you'd like, please take a breath, close your eyes, and settle into these words. I honor the East, whose aspect is life. I welcome the birth of life, which reflects new beginnings. I see the new in my life right now. A new beginning is always here if I allow it. I honor air, the element of the east, and an element in my body. I honor the winged creatures and thank them for their teaching. I thank them for their ability to remind me each and every day of the value of flying over all circumstances in my life and seeing them as an overview rather than the only view. I honor the south, whose aspect is light. I welcome the light that I am innately birthed to be. I honor the fire, the element of the South, and an element in my body. I honor the fire with my solar plexus, the passion of my creativity. I am on fire for my life, and I am discovering the mystery of being an awakened spirit. I honor the crawling creatures. I honor the crawling creatures, yes, each and every one of them. I thank them for their teachings, teaching me and reminding me that we must all crawl from time to time in our lives, and that we crawled for a long time before we walked. I honor the spiritual tools of balance, that I remember balance as a necessity for everyday application. May I remember not to be against something unless I am for something. May I remember not to disown something unless I own something. May I remember I am woman, yet I am man. I am masculine, and I am feminine. May I realize that balance is more than self-scheduling. It is a daily way of living, one's life that provides more choices for self-actualization, 
I honor the spirits and guides from the south. May they be present with me this day and in this circle. I honor the west, whose aspect is love. I honor water, the element of the west, and an element in my body. I recognize the value of water in my life, and I thank it for their teachings, that I may go deep into the depths of myself to truly understand what love is, and that love can transform all life's ailments and woes. I honor the north, whose aspect is law. I have a deep reverence for a law that is always working, even for those who declare it isn't working. It works for them by not working. I honor Mother Earth, the element of the North, and an element in our bodies. I have the wisdom to know that I am not simply born of the Earth. I shall also return to her. I honor the four-footed furry creatures. I thank them for their teaching and recognize with sacred attentiveness the value they bring to me. I honor the spirits and the guides from the North. May they be present with me this day and in this circle. And that is from the book, When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up, templehaze.com. I will see you next week. Until then, in love, of love, with love and as love, be well. I am Simran. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Zimron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.